What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Blue Wire. Welcome to episode 17 of the Clip City podcast. I am your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. I am joined today, a special episode in person, by Joe Morgan, sporting news NBA writer, columnist, reporter, journalist. We, we were discussing these titles. We're not really sure what to go with, but... Uh, He's here in my house in Culver City. This is the first time I've had someone over to record a pod, so you should feel special. This is a big this moment. moment. This, this is a big moment. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about the wing free agent rankings, how some of the prominent wings that they are going to be hitting the free agency market fit with the Clippers. Last episode, I did point guards. Next episode, I'll do big men. But this is the juicy one, Joe. This is... The Kevin Durant's, the Kawhi Leonard's, the Clay Thompson's, the real heavy hitters of the free agency market. Uh, so this, this is going to be a fun episode. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's just be honest. This is the one that, as far as positions and what the Clippers are looking for, this is it. Like, this is the big kahuna. Okay, we can talk about point guards all we want, and don't get me wrong, they might be able to add one, but it's not as important as as this, this next 40 minutes, or whatever we may be doing. Um, the Clippers need to make a splash here. I actually heard you on the, on the last part talking about um, just kind of like pressure. I disagree a little bit. I think the pressure is, is about a 10 for the Clippers. And I think it starts right here, you know, with, with these guys. So, I mean, I, I think it just depends on how, how you look at it because I, I think like, I, I, again, I mean, not to, I don't know if, if you're listening now, if, if you heard the last pod, like, I think there's a pressure like te- teams like the Knicks and Lakers have pressure because I think there's no alternative really for like, like the Lakers are in a win now situation because they have LeBron James and you do not want to go. You do not want to waste the last two to three years of LeBron's career on a non-playoff team or a low seed playoff team that does not have contention aspirations. I think that would be a really sad way for LeBron's career to end and it would not really be a great look for the Lakers. We can get into that. That's, that's a whole other pod. But to me, like that's real pressure on the Lakers where if they botch this, they don't get a star. They're looking like to me a six to eight seed next season. And like that, who knows, maybe LeBron goes supernova as he's down with Cleveland and they went a round or two, but I just don't really see them as a real contender. With the Knicks, if you've gone all in, you traded your star young big man, and then you know, kind of try to kick him out on the on his way out, uh, and say he wanted you know he wanted out and all this stuff. But like to me, you took a huge gamble. Where if you don't get someone, you have a really bad roster, not that much in my opinion, promising young talent. And then if you don't get someone, now you're just like, all right, you're gonna be another 21 team next season. Which maybe that pans out. You get a top pick, but I just think if you're the Clippers, at worst, you're still basically the same roster as last season, which is. You know, a seven or eight seed, which isn't ideal, but I think they have they're they're kind of on two tracks right now. And to me, as far as they're on a short term track and a long term track, it's just which track do they end up actually pursuing long term? I think if they can short track it and, and get a star, now you're in the short term mode. If you don't, you still have the long term play. Whereas I, I think the Lakers and Knicks, their mentality is a little more short term. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. With that statement, I think the Knicks and the Lakers are, have a lot more pressure on them because of who they are, quite frankly, mm-hmm. and for what they've done. That's true. Right. Um, I think the reason why the Clippers have so much pressure is actually on guys like you and me. The only reason that the Clippers have all this, honestly, all this talk and everything that they've done, obviously, they've done a wonderful job. But like halfway through the season, we all started kind of, kind of seeing the signs. Like, okay, well, the Clippers are now suddenly like this destination team. That was never the case. I, you know, I don't, I don't even care what they've done. They've done a wonderful job. But for us, like in the way we've written about it and everybody's talked about the Clippers, and quite frankly, as like now the it team in LA, yeah. that's why I think there's pressure on them. And I think 
and obviously the reason why it's such a big deal is because of the free agents class that we have. Next year's not, you know, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, no, that's it's a good point. Kind of now or never, or you're now looking probably three years down the line. Yeah, make a move. Yeah, or well, I mean, I, I think they could. Uh, another thing we talked about in the past is they can strike a trade, yes. but the, the problem with the trade versus the agency is now you're giving up assets and you're depleting either your roster or your future assets. And that's not ideal. So, like Anthony Davis, for example, you trade for Anthony Davis. Well, you're probably giving up all your future picks and you're probably giving up a good young player or two and a good veteran or two. And then at that point, what are you really surrounding him with? It's potentially a similar level roster to what he already has in New Orleans. Potentially even worse, like depending on what yeah, the price I, is. I, for I, I, we can talk about that all day, right? About the AD situation. Um, I'm of the opinion that there's only a handful of guys like that that come available, right? So I... I that doesn't completing the roster and completely overhauling the team is unfortunately what you would get, right? You're not going to, this Clippers team is not going to be the same if you go and get Anthony Davis. I think it's worth it. We've seen it in the past where Miami, right? Um, you're able to just kind of plug pieces, Dwayne Wade and LeBron and Bosch. I think that has to be the similar mindset. If you were to do the Anthony Davis trade, we've heard a lot about the best uh, trade partners. I wrote one recently. I didn't even know was on it. The more you look at it, I do think the Clippers are a serious, serious option for them. And I would be completely comfortable, totally comfortable trading most of my assets and my picks away for Anthony Davis because that's that's now you strike now. I don't know who else you're getting, similar to what we're talking about with the free agents. I don't know who you're getting that's better than Anthony Davis. And are you willing to give up your young assets? I think we a lot of us get excited about the young players. McShay is phenomenal. I don't know what he's going to be. I look at look at Taylor. Tatum was incredible, actually. We anointed him the next Kobe, basically, right? He's going to be top five, top five player in two years. I did it myself. I now have no idea what he's going to be. Shea could regress. I go and I think for commodity, which is Anthony Davis. And I don't worry about any of the assets. So I, I think the, the one fear with, with getting AD for me, I, I have a couple fears with that, which would just be, it, he seems to be so closely tied with the Lakers yes. that like, I, I think, I think again, if, if you're the Lakers or the Knicks and you kind of have already like the Lakers and basically said now mode right now, like they, they're going for the big stars this summer and it really is stars for them. There's no other alternative. If you already have LeBron James, I, I think like it is worth giving up all the young guys because you have that kind of, you, know, you have arguably still the best player in the league, depending on how you feel about it. Um, you know, already with AD, that kind of makes sense. You have that foundation. Knicks, they don't have that foundation. But again, they're already all in the Clippers. I just think there, there's that worst case scenario where you trade for him. You have all this stuff for the future. Trade for him. That he leaves. And even the Celtics, now we'll see what happens. Kyrie is probably gone. But I felt like it, it made a lot of sense if Celtics, right? And you have Kyrie as his foundation. Give up Tatum, give up a future pick, whatever. You already have Kyrie. Now you have Kyrie with AD. That's a pretty good tandem. Uh, you know, another t- well, there aren't many other teams, I guess, kind of in it. But if there's another suitor that comes up and already has a, you know, uh, people have thrown out Philly, why don't you throw Ben Simmons in and, and have, team up AD with, with Embiid? I think that makes more sense. The Clippers, I think you could probably sell him on staying in LA. Being Clippers, but there's that fear. On top of it, my other fear, uh, which I, I've touched on a little bit in the past, is I just wonder how good AD actually is. Yeah. And, and I think there is a point. He's a, a little bit older than we think. He's already 26, going to be 27. And I think he's great. I would put him somewhere in the top five to seven but when fully healthy, which is its own thing and stuff and stuff. But this, you know, at some point, you have to take it, you know, I don't want to get too hot, takey, cliche. Like you have to do this, you have to do that. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I'm like, this guy's gone out of the first round once, and you know, the other time they they couldn't even get a game on the Warriors, and they had that. I think it was Game Three where they blew a twenty something point lead. Uh, it was a pretty embarrassing loss. Like, I just kind of wonder most. 
young guys have that moment. Like I think for Giannis, this was a really important postseason. People want to bag on him and criticize him. Dude's only 24 and he just took the team to the conference finals that really when looking at the supporting cast and how they performed on, on, on a big stage, I think was probably worse than we realized at the time. For the, him to win 60 games with that supporting cast, lead them as far as he did, I think that really speaks to Giannis's potential as a franchise guy. AD is yet to kind of have that. New Orleans has been mismanaged. Uh, Dell Demps, for all intents and purposes, did a pretty bad job, I, I think, overall. And, you know, they, they had some really fluky, weird injury histories. So, like, I, I just – you got to provide the context. But there's a part of me that's, like, for as good as AD is statistically, he, he hits all these benchmarks where it's, like, Duncan and Garnett and Shaq. And you're, like, okay, this guy statistically is on this level of, like, rarefied air for someone his age. He has yet to have those postseason results that really back that up. And I do think there's a point where it's, like, if you're LeBron level, if you're – KD level, if, if you're Kawhi level, you have to have some postseason results to kind of back that up. You have to have a Damian Lillard series where you just go out and win the thing. And maybe that was that Portland series, but I, I would like to see a little bit more from him before we uh, I, I give up the entire I have farm a recent point there, right, where we haven't seen it before. I don't know if it's necessarily fair. Um, I, I've never liked his supporting cast. I think it's, it was pretty different. And he's in the West. I, look, the honest thing I get, don't get me wrong, but the East is weak. It's different. I mean, you have the top is super strong, but I don't think, it, like you said, I don't think it's as strong as we thought it was. Like Boston was nothing. That team completely went flat. So you basically only have what, three teams in the East who are any good. I, I think Anthony Davis in the right situation is a complete star, top five player. So I personally, we're a little bit different on this. I would have no problem giving up a farm grant. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to do the illegal tampering back channeling where it's like are you like you know are you like 70 percent likely to resign and as long as things go okay you're gonna come back which otherwise would which would happen uh no only only the Lakers temper no one else <laughs> <laughs> so all right let's get into this this was some uh some some good pre-gaming for this conversation we're about to have uh so we each rank uh i think 15, 15 free agents, uh, wing free agents, so that's shooting guards, small forwards. The way I kind of broke this down was just guys who really in the NBA, your, your position is more defensive than offensive because offense has just become so free-flowing now. So guys I consider more of, of threes or at least capable of defending threes. So there are a couple of guys like Nadius Young and Alfaruk Aminu who I have who probably play more four than three. They're also capable of defending threes, so we're going to include them here rather than in the center and, and power forward conversation. Uh, so that being said, to me, the most interesting conversation around the topic of wings is there's a magic genie. That's I'm going to start this off with. A magic genie comes and tells you, you're the Clippers. You're Steve Bomber. Congrats on your 40 plus million. <laughs> uh, tells you Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard both want to sign with you. They have both decided Golden State and Toronto, respectively, are not the right situations for them. They view the Clippers as the most attractive situation. They want to come to LA. The issue is they do not want to play together, they both want to be the man. They both want their own team. They both want that legacy of winning a title as the guy. So you have to pick between one or the other. And they're both. So with factoring in Kevin Durant, three years older, they both have a little bit of a checkered injury history. And Kevin Durant's going to be making, I think, starting out about six million more. So over the life of the four-year deal, something like 30, 40 million more, I think. Uh, so that is a factor. But what do you do? Who do you go with? Who would you sign? And do you, do you think one of them fits the Clippers better specifically? Or in this case scenario, do you just go with 
I think this guy's the best guy. That's going to age the best. I did not expect you to that. That's great. I love it, the way you put that. Um, couple of things. Culture is, I think, is big with the Clippers. Okay, so there's, it's either we look at it from the lens of the Clippers or you look at it of, of like the lens of us, right? Like who you think would be the best fit, right? I think Kawhi, culture-wise, is probably a better fit. Yep. The guy is just, he just wants to play basketball. He doesn't want to do any of the other stuff. Kevin Durant uh, can't stay off Instagram and, and ripping random people in Oklahoma. So, be careful. He's going to listen I think, <laughs> personally, I think we get a little excited and prisoner of the moment. Do I think why is absolutely incredible? I do. A month ago, Kevin Durant was the greatest player on the planet before he put his cap. He's the most lethal offensive player I have ever seen, and I've watched a lot of basketball. There is nobody that can do what he can do offensively. So I think if you're going to look at me and ask, and it's a really difficult question because Kawhi is as good as it gets, and defensively is an absolute animal. So that's kind of where he separates himself. But if you're going to, if you're going to ask me who do I want to ride with for four or five years, whatever it is, it's got to be Durant. He, he's I think he's the best player in the NBA, and I really don't think it's that close. So I, I think Durant is, is the guy here. I, I think the Clippers, quite frankly, would prefer Kawhi. That's just right. That's my gut feel. Yeah, so I, I've gone back and forth with this because I've been team Kevin Durant, and I'm, I'm eventually going to do a, a free agent ranking uh, where I, I rank like the, my top 20 or whatever free agents for the Athletic. And I've been planning on putting Katie number one because I, I know it seems like Clipper fans have hitched the wagon to Kawhi, and I think he's just been so closely tied with them, and Katie's been so closely tied with the Knicks that even though there's been recently more Clippers shatter with Katie, uh, I still think that the, the fans have attached themselves to Kawhi. I think the team has kind of behind the scenes attached itself more to Kawhi just because that's probably the more likely guy. So it's like why you don't want to get people's hopes up with saying we're going to get Kawhi or KD when that might not happen. Uh, but that being said, I, I do, I, I do kind of wonder if, if the fit and the culture kind of personality factor of this does maybe swing it in Kawhi's favor. Like I, I completely agree with you. I think KD's the best Honestly, the best scorer of all time. I think he's probably the best all-around scorer the league has ever seen just because he's like, you know, Kobe has said, and I think I may maybe have said this once before, uh, Kobe has said that every time he talks about Tracy McGrady, he says T-Mac, you know, I respected T-Mac the most because T-Mac could do everything I could do, but he was six foot nine and I was six foot six. Kevin Durant does that, and he's six foot eleven, seven feet. You know, like he can do everything Kobe could do, and, and really, obviously, Kobe has kind of taken that from MJ. And it, it's just like he doesn't have a weakness. And he, I think you saw from Game Three to Game Six in that Clippers series, like the Clippers threw everything at him. They threw the kitchen sink at him, and didn't matter. Like everything Patrick Beverly did successfully in Game Twenty Two went out the window. They threw Pat on him. They threw Michael Green. They doubled him. They tripled him. Like everything they did. He played it perfectly. He, he, you know, he can post up. He can hit turnarounds. He can hit fadeaways. He can just turn like spot up on you. He can pull up. He can he can do whatever. He can drive. He can dunk on you. Like Kevin Durant is the package offensively. He's now become a, I, I think a very underrated passer. Like he's not LeBron level, but he, he's on that whatever next tier is uh, as far as forward passers. So to me, Kevin Durant offensively is the complete package and I think is better than Kawhi. Now, that being said, when you factor in Kawhi being younger than him, you factor in Kevin Durant. Like, I mean, the, the Kawhi leg thing, the quad thing does scare me a little bit, but Kevin Durant is quietly kind of put together a tree history here. And seven footers historically do not age well. I think he's kind of an exception and, and I don't really see him aging poorly but i do kind of wonder what the feet and, and the lower leg stuff like he he does have a skinny frame too which is kind of susceptible to bigger injuries i feel like uh potentially so i don't know i, I guess when you factor in the money the age the potential injury stuff 
and just the character fit. I do think like I think people are too harsh on KD, but there is this kind of element. I don't even think it's like you know. I don't even really care about checking Instagram and, and all that stuff. Like you know, it, it makes for good like talk show fodder. But to me, it's more like this guy sometimes doesn't seem like he's he genuinely seems unhappy at times, and I just wonder like what's he looking for and and can coming to the Clippers actually satisfy that or is he going to come maybe win a title and then he's on to like the next conquest where I feel like why if he comes he's probably here maybe the rest of his career or like for longer like you know KD might sign a two-year deal we never really talked about it. a two-year deal he might do a little broad thing and be like I'm going to do two years two plus one like I don't know so I think it's I agree with you. I think it's overbrand. I I think we don't talk enough about how he fit in seamlessly with Golden State. Like we I know we question him because he he appears to be a little sensitive and maybe he's caused some issues, but I think it's more media related than anything. His teammates really like him. And he found he came into a situation with the greatest regular season team of all time and took less shots, allowed Curry and Clay to do their thing. I mean, I, when you talk about character, you really should be talking about with, between teammates and in the locker room. And if his teammates have always liked him and he was able to kind of take a little hit with his pride, right? I mean, I know Curry and, and Clay had to do the same thing, but that's the case. He said, I'm willing to do less in order to win championships. I think we do need to factor that in a bit. Yeah, that's a good point. I will say that from some Warriors people I, I talked to, and this isn't like groundbreaking insider news, but from some Warriors people I talked to during that series, like people that were around him and, and kind of just asking them about What's Katie like? You know, how, how's everything in Golden State? It does seem like there is some discord in that locker room, and and especially with, with it seems like with Kerr, that they're not on the best terms. And like Katie was kind of characterized to me as is almost like a kind of like a petulant teenager, where he's almost like he's almost um, defiant just to be defiant and it's kind of like 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 the way he is with the media which is a little bit confrontational a little bit like i mean we, we saw it especially in la it seemed like anytime he was asked something uh he would kind of push back just sort of you know uh just you know it's almost like every question he gets asked he just is kind of like this is a dumb question on which isn't necessarily rare i mean we see westbrook do it we see some other guys do it but yeah, but for I, I've just heard that he's kind of like that in the locker room too, where it's like a coach will say, "Let's do this," and KD pushes back, kind of in a weird way. That's like, why, like, you just kind of be difficult to be difficult. So I don't now. Maybe at the Golden State situation again, see all signs to be pointing to him leaving. So maybe we don't know the full context of what else is going on there, and maybe there's other stuff, but. To me, I just question if you know the, the potential, the potential baggage and well, and kind of less. trip wiring you have to deal with with KD. I, I, I do think the most likely one thing, to deal with. And I, I guess I've, I've, we've read this stuff with Kerr, right? I'm sure there there are some issues. I, I I would agree, but I think that's more this year than anything. Yeah. Right. So, and, and I think the they know, I think they think he's leaving, or they know that he's leaving. And I think for teammates to have to deal with that on a daily basis, they're getting questions from the media too. I mean, yeah. it's not around, right? It's difficult. And I think there's always an end of, a, of the run type thing. It's difficult trying to win three in a row. I, I don't discount you know, the, the, the statements and what people have said about him maybe being a little more difficult this year. But I do think that it, it wouldn't be a big issue in LA. That's just me. I think he's ready to try something new and I think that would change his his way of going about things. Hopefully with the media because <laughs> I like that <laughs> Well I, I don't know about that. So I, I will say like I think Kawhi the fit with Kawhi makes sense, right? Like the the Clippers have shaped themselves as this blue collar, hard nosed organization. 
They, they don't necessarily love the spotlight and limelight the way the Lakers do. They're not all about getting attention and, uh, you know, they're, they're almost the anti Hollywood, uh, you know, Pat Beverly had that quote, uh, I think sometime in, in like March where he was just like, you know, we do this for the people in the back, the, the, the people who have to, you know, put their hard hats on and go to work every day. I think Kawhi really fits in cleanly with that. Now I'll stay with KD. I think the, the narrative and, and kind of, fit for KD is he clearly is upset to some extent about the credit and the legacy that's coming from these Warriors championships. And it's Steph's franchise. It's Steph's city. It always will be. Uh, you know, Steph, you know, they're winning without him now. I, I think I don't think that's helping the case for him staying. And I think there are a lot of people who view the way he's winning these titles and, and the team that he joined as a little, you know, it's a little, nah, I don't know. If, I don't know what the right word is. I was going to say cheap. I don't think cheap's the right word, but like it, it is a little bit, I see it very different than what LeBron did going to Miami. Uh, and, you know, there's a difference in creating a team from scratch for as talented as that team was versus joining a team that really, best regular team ever should have won back-to-back titles uh, and clearly, you know, just beat the Rockets without you swept the Blazers and very still favored to win the series without you. So like, to me, I think KD joined the Clippers. There are similar arguments to the Knicks and the Clippers. And I think the Knicks even is at a different level because they haven't won a title in 50 years. Though the Clippers have never won a title I think winning, right now, I think winning a title in New York for the Knicks would be the biggest legacy altering move in sports. I think you went, you, Katie comes to New York and wins the title. He's not only, he's like the king of New York, but he's also probably elevated to maybe the biggest star in sports or like in that conversation. Uh, so that is very attractive. That said, the Clippers are much closer to winning a title than the Knicks. I trust the Clippers' ownership and front office way more than I trust the Knicks. And I think that for KD, coming to LA, the city where LeBron James, you know, it's LeBron, LeBron City right now, for all intents and purposes. And to come to LA to make the Clippers, I mean, they're already better than Lakers, but to make them definitively better and to win a title in LeBron City while he's here, I think would be huge for KD because he's always measured himself publicly against LeBron. You had the SI cover. I'm tired of being number two. He always brings up LeBron and his legacy. I think that's really your pitch is like, come to LA, take the city from LeBron. You know, you're going to have all the same opportunities you'll have in New York, in LA, uh, you know, even more so on the entertainment side if you want to go that route. And no one's winning a title with the Clippers. So it's not the same to me as winning a title with the Knicks. Like, I, I think anyone saying that, I just disagree with that. But it, but it's close. It's it's a notch below that, and you're you're just gonna you're gonna immediately become the biggest, you know, the most important Clipper ever. And I, I just think like you can establish this legacy and kind of start like how I think the Warriors are now going to be an it franchise for the foreseeable future after Curry, after Thompson, after Draymond. Like those guys started that. You and KD. I mean, maybe you you want to give Blake and DJ and Chris that credit, but like KD to a whole other level and he's going to kind of be the, the forebearer of that. So think of it that way. And that's to me, really I think that's really your picture uh, of the Clippers. And I think there's a lot of merit to that. LeBron. It's like it's a chip on his yeah. shoulder. It really bothers him. Um, so that, I guess that would be the sell. I, you you have a lot. That's a lot of information. So if you want to go there, <laughs> anything, I, I can go on the Warriors saying all day. Yeah. Enjoy those things, okay. It, you, you say it wasn't cheap. Cheap trouble the word. Was it the easy way out? I, I, I think it probably was. And I, it's not necessarily, I'm not necessarily banging on Kevin Grant. I get it, man. You, you got to go win rings because that's how we validate you. Unfortunately, the way that people in the media and fans say that you're good if you reach the next level is if you win championships. And he, I don't think he was going to do it in Oklahoma City. So it was definitely, it took the fun out of what Golden State was, right? So now for him, I think he knows that and he needs to go. I think the Knicks, you are correct, would be. If he wins a championship in New York, I don't know how familiar everybody is with Knicks fans. I know we went on him, okay? 
they're probably some of the best fans in the NBA. They're crazy, okay? New York is a basketball city. It's the mecca. That's where you go. If he goes to New York and wins a championship, I give up. Okay, he might be the best player of all time. Honestly, that's it would it would be the same kind of as LeBron winning in, in Cleveland on that level, which was awesome, but I think it's even greater because of the Knicks. The pitch to come and be right next to LeBron and take him down is really interesting. I tell you, I never thought about that. And that's brilliant. I think that is the right play. I just don't think it trumps what he can do in New York, which is why I think, and I think most of us think he's going to be Nick. And why I think most of us think that Kawhi is the Clippers' best chance at getting a star, which I guess in this conversation we're saying is like 1B, Kawhi and Durant's 1A, so that's your consolation prize. It's pretty good, right? right? I mean, the run that he's been on probably puts him two or three. So, it, it's really a win-win situation for the Clippers here. But that being said, you better get one of them. You, you, you have to get one of them. I think that's what we talked earlier. The pressure. That's those two guys are the pressure guys. So, so this is a good segue. You, you, you segue that nicely. Um, I think for me, there are two guys in consideration for. You know, not not on nowhere on the Kawhi KD level, but on the star edition level, uh, and those would be Clay Thompson and Jimmy Butler. I I think we're probably in agreement on Jimmy, but I do think there is something to him being a name, and you can sell a name. I don't now Clay Clay's an interesting one because. I just don't really see him leaving. And I think if he leaves, honestly, he's probably more likely to go to the Lakers. Uh, You know, he grew up a Lakers fan. His dad played for the Lakers. Uh, It just just kind of makes sense. I I think him, like, he's like the perfect guy you want next to LeBron. I mean, like a Kyrie type is probably the perfect type, but like you want a shooter, an elite shooter around LeBron. That's a funny concept, isn't it? Yeah. You got to tell the Lakers front office uh, or, or don't. Um, you, you want an elite shooter, but then you also want a guy who could take the pressure off LeBron defensively so he doesn't have to exert the energy he doesn't exert defensively anymore. Uh, so I think Clay, like Clay next to LeBron is just like a scary thought. Uh, now, there, you know, there was some talk of uh, – I forgot who floated it. Was it Stephen A. who floated out him being interested in the Clippers if he leaves I, or was it – Mark, uh, I, I don't remember. I, I apologize. I don't remember. Uh, I, I should know this, but it got floated out a couple of weeks ago. Like Clay would consider the Clippers if, if he left Golden State. I do not see any way in which Golden State does not offer. Now that he got you know the supermax, did not make All NBA third team. You know it's going to be what thirty million dollars cheaper. I do not see any way Golden State does not come with a full five year max for him and. I think he's going to sign that, and I, I think like we can fantasize about play on the Clippers. I think it'd be great. Uh, it'd even be interesting to see him as the lone star addition, just to kind of see is he more Ray Allen or is he more like Reggie Miller? And and there's a I think there's a slight variation there because Ray Allen with the Bucks and the Sonics was a primary ball handler, was a go to guy. Uh, Reggie Miller was more still in that Clay role, even as the star. So I just wonder with Clay like. We have never really seen him in a primary ball handling situation, no matter what team he's been on, uh, and you know whether it's Golden State, Team USA. They're even in when he plays with the Warriors bench, he's always in that off ball, coming around screens and pin downs and stuff. So I'd be interested to see a clay led team. I'm personally skeptical on, on him as a number one option. I think he's a he's a good enough score to be a number one option, but. I just don't think it's playmaking and, and really ball handling chops to do that. <laughs> I, I but again, this play, is basically a fan. Like yeah, this is kind of we're just killing. Um, time. I don't think you're, <laughs> you're saying that. You know, he, obviously he's fantastic. I, being the number one guy means something different. It just does. Um, I don't think he'd be the number one guy um, on a team. I don't. I think he's a, about as good as a, a two as you could possibly have. I do think 
we have seen with Durant out, I think he's a better playmaker and ball handler than we remember him being. He takes like seven, yeah. seven dribbles, he got 38 points. Um, so Durant he really has like, been relegated to that role of spot-up shooter, and that's all he does. And I, I think we've been able to see in this last series that he can do a lot more than that. With all that being said, I, he's, I don't think it's a, a chance that he comes to the Clippers. I agree with you. I think if he was somehow to leave Golden State, and they'd be insane to not offer him the max. They just would. Um, and he would be would be a Laker. So, I mean, in, in a dream world, you add Clay, and he is such an awesome piece to this team. Um, I, I think defensively as well. I um, mean, when they need somebody like that, where like a longer, bigger guard, which they didn't have, that would be a deal for them. Um, I, just, I, I don't see that happening. I mean, as far as – I don't know. You said we're on the same page with Jimmy Butler. Like, I would not sign Jimmy Butler. So well, – you No, know, like not my guy. And he proved a lot in the playoffs, you know, and I think he's – Well, that's, that's on the same page. He's okay. a guy in the playoffs with like a gut check time. Yeah, I probably want Jimmy on my team, I guess. But I don't want him for a full season. He's, yeah. he's a problem. And, you know, it's not a – a mystery. You talk to people about Jimmy Butler, the same kind of stuff comes up where it's like, yeah, he's a bit of an issue. He's hard to deal with. I mean, it's been out in public, obviously, even behind the closed doors, you hear those kind of things. And I don't think he'd be offended at all the players, not to mention I would not pay him or give him four years because of years. So, so I actually think Jimmy would fit with the Clippers. Interesting. But and that's because I just think I think he guys like Pat and Trez and Lou are cut from the same cloth. I think he does have, which was it was funny that that Pat at his exit interview kind of took a shot at at Jimmy or what was perceived as a shot where he's like, you know, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of egos here. You know, we're not showing up wearing those like half shirt cutoffs. Like you're you're gonna know I'm talking about Jimmy Butler. This isn't a shot at Jimmy, but, but it was like. It's kind of a shot at Jimmy. Um, so I, I think like the like Jimmy, for as much of a problem as he's been, and you can't deny, like he's now had locker room issues in his last three stops, and it's really kind of you know been him leaving on really bad, you know, left Chicago in not great terms, left Minnesota in shambles, you know, basically torched the practice facility on his way out, and uh, and then Philly if he. You got to think if they don't re-sign him, which they could offer him the most money, the reason would be because they didn't like the locker room fit with him, or maybe it's an aging concern and a fit, whatever. But like he probably was their best player in the postseason, arguably. You know, him versus like Embiid started off that way, but he tailed off, especially in that Raptor series. Uh, and and I felt like Jimmy, you know, Jimmy for for all our criticism, I think when you're looking at like, but like ball. Down the stretch, I'd rather Jimmy Butler have the ball than Giannis onto the Kumpo. And I think Giannis is like a top five or six player in the league. I just, just saw, yeah, you just saw like the limitations of a guy who can't really create his own shot, who can't really shoot outside of like 16, 18 feet uh, consistently. Like there are limitations to that. Jimmy Butler is clutch. He, he's hit game winning shots, he's hit big shots. And, and I think he has that mentality of, I want to take those shots, I want to be in those moments. And I, I think. That's so where I, I, I'm open to Jimmy with two caveats. I'm open to Jimmy as the second guy. I do not think you could have Jimmy as your first guy. I think the other three guys that we just discussed and Kyrie Irving could all come as the number one. I wouldn't really want Kyrie as the number one, but I view him more as a 1.5. But in a worst case scenario, if, if Kyrie wants to come, I think the Clippers would be foolish to not sign him. Uh, so, you know, Kyrie, Clay, Kevin, and Kawhi, this is the class of the Ks. Uh, those guys want to come, you sign them. Jimmy wants to come be the guy. I don't think you do it. If he wants to be the number two behind one of those four, I'm cool with that. But the second caveat is I think you could only sign him to a two-year deal maybe three-year, if that's like, if you, you know, if it's contingent on getting a, if Kawhi's like, I'm coming, but I want another guy, the other guy you get is Jimmy, and Jimmy's like, I'll only sign, you know, I need at least a three-year deal. You don't have to give me four, but give me three. 
all right, then I'll do it. But I would not sign Jimmy Butler to a four-year deal, and I would not make him the number one guy. If I, and I don't see the Clippers doing that either. Um, so, you know, uh, I know Arash Markazi of the LA Times just reported that from what he's heard, Clippers don't have interest in Jimmy. I've heard similar things and that if it was, if there was interest, it would only be on a short-term deal. And I, I know Sam Amick of The Athletic had also reported that earlier in the season. So I do think there's some truth to this. Like if Jimmy comes, I don't think it's going to be the number one guy. I think it's going to be on a short-term deal. Which is probably why I don't see Jimmy coming because I think he's going to want the money. I think he's going to want the years out there, but it might be but somewhat similar. To if it does like happen, what happened with that's kind of the like one maybe, path I see to make it. I don't think it's going to happen, but maybe teams are scared away from it and they're like we're not going to give you the four years, right? Because if somebody offers him the four years, he's going to take it with his age and the injury. Can't rule out. <laughs> just can't roll out like Dallas um, or Sacramento. And he starts looking around the Clippers. Oh, we'll give you two years, right? And you have to be the number two guy. I, I think we're pretty much on the same page, except I think you're a little more accepting of Jimmy Butler than I am. I mean, I, that's just kind of my, my thought. I, I, I'm just not a huge fan of, of, of guys that have been in locker rooms. <laughs> you can be as good as you can be, and he's great. Like I mentioned at the beginning, if you want to go to war with somebody, it's like you know Pat Beverly and Jimmy, right? Yeah. Those are the guys. But I don't know what's going to happen in that locker room. You and I are in that locker room all year. It was an awesome place to be. Everybody, the camaraderie between the team was incredible. And maybe Jimmy fits in and he figures it out. But I think the odds are that there's going to be an issue at some point. And I think there's some clashing personalities. Well, so I, I actually view that as I think that now Jimmy will definitely have this, but I do think that the Clippers are as well positioned as any team to kind of support a testy personality. And that maybe goes back to Kevin Durant and them keeping him in check, Jimmy Butler potentially, where Kyrie potentially, like where I think Doc, you know, Doc is a player's coach. You, that's the one. That's always the first thing you hear about him. You know, players love playing for him. Uh, you know, unless you're like Jared Dudley and Brett Davis. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, so there, there, there's a couple of guys that don't like Doc, but for the most part, everyone raves about him. He, you know, he's consistently mentioned as you know players, coach they've played for, uh, and I think part of that comes with him being able to stand up to you know, stand up to guys and kind of call them out. And, and he's not afraid of anybody. And I think that was ultimately what kind of eroded him and Chris Paul's relationship was their testy kind of nature back and forth. But I also think Chris respected that with Doc. So I think with, with Doc in place, and then if the Clippers bring back Pat Beverly, they already have Trez and Lillard. I think those are the types of guys who they're just not – like they don't really care what the credentials are. They don't care who you are. They don't care if you're all all star, all NBA, Olympic, whatever. They're gonna tell you how they see it. They're gonna tell you like it is. And I think, you know that that sounds maybe a little cliche or a little like whatever. But like I actually think that type of stuff matters. And I think they would keep Jimmy Butler in check. And I think Jimmy would actually like and respect that because that's kind of what he. Especially when he didn't have in Minnesota, where he just did whatever he wanted. No one checked him. You know, Thibodeau wasn't gonna stop him. Uh, clearly, and you know, Towns and Wiggins are not. You know, we're not built to kind of go back at him. If you kind of look at the guys in that locker room, you know, maybe a Taj Gibson, but like there weren't a lot of guys who you know had that personality to go back at Jimmy. And, and Taj played with him in Chicago. You know, boys with him. So I think him the situation with Pat and Trez and Lou, those guys would stay. Those guys would push back on. You know, if he starts to get into Shea or, or get into Landry or Jerome. I think those guys would push back on that and, and kind of keep him in check. There's a locker room in particular that could probably handle it. You're right. It's probably the Clippers. You have Pat there. He's not going to take any flack. I'll fight. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you what, man. The first time I went to doctor, I was pretty intimidated. Because he's, yeah, he's Pat there. <laughs> Great guy. I'll fight the um, I'll fight. Doc, I think Dean's yeah. um, a former player. Carries the weight, right? And, and I agree. Um, I think Jimmy says that he's what he's always said. He's all about winning. And going to the Clippers makes sense. I just don't see it. I think they give him the money. 
and, and for me, I, like I said it 10 times now, the, the risk isn't worth it for me. There's other guys I'd rather have. So we, we already hit the 45 minute mark. So we're, we're running a bit long here as I kind of expected we would. Uh, so let, let's touch on some of the other guys out here. Uh, we don't have to go super in depth, but let's at least have Jimmy, a I, I, quick I discussion. Just, we touched on this we'll Chris Middleton. Before. Like, I, I think my when you start getting into these year, guys, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because of what happened with Tobias yeah. Harris, right? So if you're trading Tobias Harris and you don't think that's the guy you want to build around, you don't want to pay him, you're not going to pay Chris Middleton. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so I think the guys – the smaller contract-wise guys make a lot more sense than Middleton because he, he's going to get big money and the yeah. Clippers are going to want to offer it. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah, so I, I think the next group of guys, which for me, uh, if I had to probably tear it off, it would be uh, Danny Green, Thaddeus Young, Boyan no, Bogdanovich, no. and Alfa Rukinu for me. But those would be my next four in, in the next group. Um, anyone you'd uh, well, so, so that group for me, Danny Green is pretty much the ultimate three and D role player in the league. He's been playing this role now for what, five six years. Uh, you know, I guess the ultimate three and D role player technically is Clay, but like Danny Green is a, is a mini Clay in a, in a way. Like he he can guard one through three, a shooter, been in plenty of big games. Spurs won, won the championship now in the finals with the Raptors. Like he's a little bit small, so you could probably make the case he's more of a two than a three. But I, I do think that you know, at, at the worst case, if, if the Clippers were able to add him, uh, ideally off the bench, but even in the worst case, they strike out and they're just trying to kind of keep a competitive playoff team. I think you could even putting Danny in that pack spot, moving Pat to the bench. Uh, I think would, would be nice. Uh, Add Young, again, like I said, is more of a four, but he's a pretty good and underrated defender. Uh, yeah, a veteran guy, uh, you know, is a solid scorer, isn't really much of a shooter. And again, I think him and Gallo is kind of a weird 3 4 combination. So to me, that actually makes a lot more sense if you end up trading Gallo and you're looking kind of for a place to starting fourth spot. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. I think he's a little bit overrated. Uh, I, I think he's going to get some – I don't know. Well, I guess All-NBA voting is already out. I believe he got like a vote or two for All-NBA, which I thought was a little bit ridiculous. Uh, he was the leading scorer for the Pacers once Victor Oladipo went down. But I think like someone has to be the leading scorer. So whoever's getting the most – like he had a great season. He, you know, he's gotten better. I don't deny that. But I for him, he's the one guy – kind of sub top tier where I just think he's going to get way more money than he probably deserves. I wouldn't want to pay that. Uh, but at the right price, I'd put in him. And then Aminu, former Clipper, uh, again, is more of a four, but, and not really a great shooter. And you kind of see that there out in the playoffs. He is a bit of a liability offensively. Teams just ignore him. But I think defensively, all defense caliber defender, uh, really defend like two through five, and, uh, I think is just a, a long, I think he's obviously a great uh, defender. So he struggled a little bit in the past series, but he's had a, uh, any other an awesome points you want to make year for any of those four. Behind the line, right? So the, the Clippers, to me, need another guy who can get a bucket. Like the thing that always drove me crazy with the Clippers this year is they really was kind of low. Yeah. And then you know, Gal is very good. He, he, we saw him struggling in the Warriors series to kind of get his own shot. I think you need one more guy who, when, he, when he's out there, can – create his own shot. You know, Danny Green is for the most part spot up guy, but he can, he's got a little jumper in there and I, I've always loved his game. So he would be the cream of the crop for me. Um, Aminu, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just getting into guys that you're just trying to plug in yeah. at this point, right? So you're talking about all these guys that below that we had, like Kelly Oubre. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be excited about that. Um, Jeremy Lamb, I kind of had him up there, Terrence Ross, um, Rodney Hood, Wes Matthews. You're just looking to, to kind of plug guys in at this point. Um, Danny Green would be the guy for me that I'd be excited about. Everybody else, like, I mean, and what, a reason they're pretty gay. Like, if you get those two guys at the end of the day, you better have, like, two stars on that team. That's yeah. Just play, right? Yeah. So, play, right? I mean, I, I think the, the, the thinking here would be, like – 
Well, it's really been a running joke around the Clippers for like the last decade is that they haven't had like a good small forward. Like if you look at every single year, there's always a whole small forward. And like probably the best small forward of the last decade was Matt Barnes, which like tells you, and he was solid, you know, competent role player. Yeah. Not like I thought for a couple of years that he was, you know, a really quality player, but if he's the, because you know, the truth is, Tobias and Gallo are fours. You know, the, it, you know, Gallo's played four. He's barely played three as a Clipper. Uh, outside of they were starting in Blake and DJ, which never really made sense to me. But that's a whole other podcast. Uh, Tobias, if you talk to him, he's a four. And in Doctor, he said he's a four. He just kind of had to play three. Um, you know, there. But again, it's more about who you defend. Tobias is better at playing fours. We saw him. I think thrive a little bit better in that role in Philly. Uh, uh, there's a lot of chefs in that kitchen, so like offensively, he, he was a bit, you know, held back. But I, I just feel like the, the Clippers need a three. So in this case, hopefully, it's it's Katie or Kawhi. But besides that, I think you need another three off the bench, and that's where I think some of these guys are talking about uh, would make sense. I like Kelly Oubre. My my one thing with him is that I think. He's probably going to, you know, he's a restricted free agent, so he's probably going to get paid more than, like, those guys tend to get more if you can sign them to an offer sheet or something. Yeah, I think the Suns want to keep him, but he's only, I think he's 23, maybe 24, so he's still young. Like, some of these, like, Trevor Ariza quietly fell off last season for as much talk. I, I think the Rock missed last season's version of Ariza, but this season's version was, I can't, can't talk right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was not that good. Like, frankly, like his shooting percentages were horrible. Uh, defensively, he was still like, close to what he was, but he wasn't the same guy. Rudy Gay had a bounce back year with the Spurs. I like him as like a off-the-bench scorer and kind of just – like I think there's something there, but he's also not much of a shooter. Terrence Ross I think would fit in really nicely. Uh, I like Terrence Ross. You don't like Morris. No. And I'm not I, a I like Morris as a backup, uh, but, but the problem is this year, so he thinks he's a starter and he's going to take a lot of shots now, and he's going to disrupt Shoker and Kennedy. Over the course of a quarter, no Marcus Morris. Uh, uh, Wes Matthews is a little bit small and he's injury prone, uh, so that, that would be my thing here. Uh, I think we've kind of touched on on the rest of these guys. Like, So a guy that should be in here, but – He's not. He's unlikely to opt out because he's making twenty five million next season. It's Harrison Barnes. Uh, he, he'd be somewhere in that mix at the right price. He'd probably be at the higher end. Of, oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big Harrison Barnes guy, but he's not opting out of twenty five. Uh, Rodney Hood, I like, but with Hood, it's a consistency thing where like he wasn't really doing anything in Portland. Then he just comes out of the cupboard for like a couple, two, three games, and then kind of disappears again. And gets in like. He, you know, he's also been swept now. This is crazy. Last three postseasons, he's been swept by the Warriors on three different teams. Chad, the Cavs, and the Blazers. Uh, so if anyone hates the Warriors, it's Rodney Hood. Uh, Jabari Parker, there's a team option for $20 million. There's no way the Wizards pick that up. I don't like Jabari Parker. He's more – he's like a 3.5, more of a 4. He doesn't play defense. He, he's the first to admit it. Uh, I've never been a Jabari guy, even heading back to the draft. So I'm out on him. Jeremy Lamb, I actually like. I think he's an interesting guy. I think of all of these, besides the man, how much money he commands. Uh, not the concern, but what it comes down you know, to is what been, the money. It was that time Charlotte's second best player, which really Green showed you the state of Charlotte. But. Um, but I, you pay him. Okay? You, you pay Danny Green. The guys below him, I, it's, it's your, are you looking at just spend money to spend money type deal? You're just trying to add specific guys. Like Terrence Ross, I, I agree with you. I think it would be a really nice addition. The rest of these guys, besides Danny Green, uh, I mean, like, you wouldn't mention Austin Rivers, right? But like, he's not – I doubt he's going to come back, even though I love what he did. So I'm, I, I mean, like, I mentioned him in the Point Guard podcast. I, I mean, I guess he's like a – Two, I guess he's more of a two now. So like he's kind of in a weird like is he a point guard, is he a wing? Uh, he's not really a point guard, but like which category is he in? Uh, so I here likely return just because of the way they left the franchise. Tobias, I mean, 
I'd be shocked if they brought him back. I mean, yeah. it'd be amazing if they brought him. It'd be hilarious. If they got like Flyer KD and they had Tobias as the number two guy, like that'd be hilarious to me. Uh, JJ Chalk left anything. No, I just don't see that. Jeff Green cost the Clippers a first round pick. Uh, Lance Stevenson had a atrocious. Let's be clear. Jeff Green had an atrocious run of the Clippers. So did Lance Stevenson. Uh, Jamal Crawford's on his last legs. Love the dude, but I just don't. You know, with Lou there, no fit. Austin, I um, don't think him and Doc ever want to reunite. And Jared Dudley hates Doc Rivers and will gladly tell you that. So I don't see any of those guys coming back. Um, you know, Tobias and JJ, if you were making an objective list and a not team specific list, JJ and Tobias would definitely be on this list. Uh, maybe even Austin might crack the bottom of it, but I just. Don't and what was yeah, I don't see now? either one of those guys coming. Any like, of those guys coming the new back. One's so coming I think we, I, I think we pretty much nailed this, the, the main conversation of this, which is if a genie comes to you, what do you do? <laughs> 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 Did you decide on KD? Is that the genie thing? That's what we're picking. Came out. I'm bam. You need an answer right now. We'll see. You go after this. All right, fine. Uh. Yeah, got I got in my head. I, I'd, I'd pick KD, but but I'll say with, with the meaningless caveat that it is it is splitting hairs for me at this point. Where before it wasn't. Like a month ago, I would have said it's clearly KD. If you're picking Kawhi, you're just picking Kawhi because you think he's more likely, which is still fine. But like to me, there was no real like. It's hard for me to find the argument. I think, like, and I don't, you know, you talked about recency bias and kind of being a prisoner of the moment. I think what Kawhi has shown, though, it's more about what Kawhi has shown versus like Katie getting hurt or Katie. Like, to me, it's just like Kawhi showed he could, you know, look at what he ran through Philly, he ran through Milwaukee. I think, like, now factoring in games played and, and total package, he's probably had the best postseason. Uh, I mean, maybe Steph and Katie are like probably two and three in, in some That's order. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, Katie's only played 11 games. I think Kawhi's now played 18. So that, that seven game difference and, and, you know, the totality of, you know, uh, Milwaukee's a much better team than Portland. Like there's no comparison to me in, in those two. Uh, like if they played, I think Milwaukee would have swept Portland or maybe get one and five, but like there, there's no comparison there. So he's, he's to me, around, really. the, the quality of opponent that, Toronto has, you know, beaten and the way Kawhi's played, even through injury. Another thing we're not talking about is like Kawhi's kind of injured right now. He's been he's still dunking on Giannis. He's still going one on one against Middleton and Giannis and, and scoring. Like he's crazy. So I think for me, Kawhi has shown me that he's at a, a level I didn't even think he was necessarily at. And Let's just I go would ahead and say it. This is great. You okay. We're the doing an NBA player ranking. I'd still probably Kawhi play Leonard and Kevin Durant. LeBron, okay, KD, one, two, and some order. Probably KD, not one right bad, now. Um, but to me, Kawhi might be at worst. Might. I mean, really, I would have seen that four months ago. You're right. It's a lot less than until, until he demanded a trade from San Antonio over last summer. And mentioned it was the Clippers and Lakers as the two teams he wanted to go to. Like that hadn't been out there, uh, you know. And I think it's been a crazy twelve months from for the Clippers that went from all that backlash from the Blake trade to like you know you guys had a star, you traded him away, you're not going to get another one. Like you know you you play this game to get that type of level star, and you've seen Blake's success in Detroit. Just think about like how good the Clippers could have potentially been had they kept him, but they've turned this thing around in 12 months. And, you know, I, I, I still think, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's naive, maybe it's homers, maybe, I don't know what it is, but I still think the strikeout is a great situation moving forward. The ideal situation, obviously, would be to get a guy, but, like, no matter what happens, no matter how this plays out, the Clippers are in a really great situation moving forward, whether it's next season or three years from now, uh, I think they're on the short list of like teams with the brightest future uh, in the league as currently constructed. All right, man. Well, I appreciate this. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, man.
As always, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you've not subscribed to The Athletic yet, checked out my writing on the Clippers, please do so. You can subscribe for one week, one week free trial. If you like it, continue to subscribe for the price of a cup of coffee. If you don't like it, you can unsubscribe, but I highly recommend against that. I just finished up my last batch of player reviews and report cards. Check those out. And most importantly, if you've not subscribed to this podcast yet, please do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You can also check out other Blue Wire podcasts. Just type in Blue Wire, search for that. A lot of great stuff going on, especially around the NBA playoffs. Our Blue Wire Buckets podcast is great. Uh, I highly recommend you checking that out. So I will be back next week to discuss centers and power forwards. I guess you can call them big men. And uh, some interesting stuff there. Marcus Gasol, Al Horford, Nick Vucevic, uh, Julius Randle. Uh, I do like the fit uh, of some of these guys, so I am excited to talk about it. Uh, until then, hope you have a, a safe rest of your week and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.